0: This is Carl Kennedy from The and you're listening
1: to Focus on Metal. Focus on Metal. Hey Metalhead Scott Thompson here bringing you another bonus episode of Focus on Metal. This one may be one of the fastest audio turnaround times in uh, Focus on Metal history. Did an interview on Thursday afternoon, edited up Thursday night, mix and master the show Thursday night, and bang, here it is the weekend, and it's out like I said, I think that might be the fastest turnaround in uh, in focus on metal history. And who did I talk to? Well, it's the guy you heard at the beginning of the episode. That's right. Carl Kennedy, uh, probably best known as the drummer for the rods. But then again, if you guys know your metal history, you know that Carl has done oh so much more than just playing with the rods. He's uh, produced Anthrax, Overkill, Possessed done all kinds of stuff in he's uh, worked with a whole bunch of other bands as well so uh, very cool to be talking with Carl for uh, well, the first time in five years so in this case I wasn't talking to Carl about anything to do with the rods but it's actually the uh, the Carl Kennedy band or uh, kind of better known as just Kennedy. And they have got out their latest effort, and it's called Warrior. And as I relay back to Carl in the interview, they're talking about basically 10 tracks of good, solid, old-school metal with some modern vibe thrown in there as well. But all around... Uh, There's something for everybody that's a metal fan on this one. And sonically as well, I talked to Carl about this in the episode as well. But uh, Chris Collier did a great job of mixing this album up and just adding a whole different dimension to this. So uh, this thing is actually out right now in digital format, and you can go up to... uh, KennedyBand.com, so that's C-A-N-E-D-Y Band.com, and buy your own digital copy of it. Or if you're the physical copy guy like me, then you will need to uh, bide your time until uh, August 7th when it will come out on CD and vinyl ...via Sleazy Rider Records, but it was certainly great to talk to Carl again, reminiscing about a lot of different stuff. Good discussion, good way to spend a Thursday afternoon, and in fact, now that I think about it, even the turnaround time for scheduling it, you know, the PR person hit me up, I hit her back up... And, uh, there was a little bit of a day gap, but then I found out at, I don't know, maybe two 30 on Thursday, I was doing this and, you know, comes five fifteen, bam, we're doing this thing all to give you guys your weekend bonus episode of focus on metal, but also to help Carl and, uh, the awesome other members of his band get the word out about the brand new release warrior. So with that, what do you say that, uh, I just shut up and I can turn it over to, uh, to myself Talking with Carl Kennedy, all about the brand new one, Warrior. Hey, Carl, how are we doing?
0: Hey, I'm doing well.
1: So it's been it's been a long time, but uh, it's good to talk
0: to you again yeah same here thanks for the support you know without the uh without playing live you know you, I, I are the, you. <laughs> uh, the, the lifeblood now you know so, yeah
1: yeah i know especially for someone like you it. that uh you know lives and breathes doing this you know live work so it's yeah i, I know it's got to really be a a huge letdown for you but uh happy to support with this i mean i know i kind of missed the boat on the uh, digital release date for may 8th but uh still hopefully drum up some support and get, get oh, the work no, out for the, uh, the the physical release as well. So that's right. We've got time for that too. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And, uh, and, and actually this kind of fits in what we've been trying to do is uh, we've been getting so many requests from the listener base to give out like extra episodes, like just one episode a week isn't enough. So what we've been trying to do is wherever possible, put out an additional show on the weekends, for people that are stuck at home and they're getting bored and they want more content, and so anytime we can pr- nice. can promote something and do a fast turnaround and not have to have a big show behind it, so when uh, you know when when uh, Hadley contacted me, I'm like, oh yeah, this is perfect. I can talk to you on Thursday and I can have this thing out on Saturday morning, and it gives people something to also to listen to and grabs attention. So I thought, ah, this works perfect, and I get to talk to you again after five years. So works. yeah, up everything. that's
0: great. Yeah,
1: so obviously I'm talking to you today about your brand new release Warrior, which is uh the Carl Kennedy band and uh, it's it's been a while but uh it's it's definitely a great one. I I like the a lot of them definitely harken back to some of the old school sounds, you know, things like even Warrior itself, I think it really has a to me anyways, had that new wave of British heavy metal feel and some of the others have some of these other classic old metal sounds in there as well. So it's it's uh it's really cool, you know. Basically, uh, ten ten tracks of old school metal.
0: Mm-hmm, You know, and that's it's funny you say it because I've been getting uh, from people that um, hearing the album that it's like a traditional classic metal with a modern flair, or you know. So that's cool. I mean, that's it's our roots, you know. But uh, we also listen to modern music, and uh, you know, we listen to current stuff. So yeah. all the influences come to play, but you know, you have to be true to yourself.
1: Yeah, and and you can see some of that with some of the songs like uh, like Not Even Love, which is it's got some traditional metal elements in there, but it's also got some more modern song structure as well. So yeah, you definitely have some of this some of the newer stuff going in there as well, which is good because you you kind of want that mix of of old and new because people got to grow, right?
0: Exactly right. You want you know you want younger fans, you want new fans as well as just the the classic metal people. Yeah, and you know I have to say working with these guys they're fantastic you know they all three of them are really great songwriters uh, like tony actually the bass player went out and bought a cello took cello lessons <laughs> and wrote the piece before in this sign which is such a cool piece and sets up the song mm. but uh, charlie's a you know well-educated guitarist he's written a guitar book or two and uh, he's a T grad and he's uh, you know he's an amazing guitarist but he's the guitarist who orchestrates parts. And so there's a lot of depth to the to the parts that he writes, you know, and Mike has just such a great, uh, you know, insightful writing, his lyrics. And, of course, Tony has done a lot of studying of the Roman Empire, so it, he has a lot of that in his songwriting, too. So you see those influences across the board on the songs.
1: Yeah, you do. So I'm assuming that uh, that Tony wrote the lyrics for Atia
0: then. He did, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, in this sign uh, as well as uh, Hellride.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and it's and I also got to say that uh, that Mike has got a pretty interesting range as well. He's not just pigeonholed to one thing. And in some cases, he I listen to the song and I'm like, wait a minute, is that the same guy is singing the last song as well? So he's got a pretty good range and he can change things up pretty pretty well.
0: He does, and the thing about Mike is that he is uh, a guy who can nail it every night, you know. So. That's one thing I love about the band is that we can go out and play. And unfortunately we were only able to play one gig before the coronavirus caught us, but, uh, the band can nail these songs live. So, I mean, that's, I love that fact because so many times you go in the studio record an album and it comes time to play them live and you just don't capture, you know, you can't really reproduce the album live the way you, know, you would like. Mm. And in this case, uh, I think we really do, and the fact that Mike can nail it. But Tony is a great singer, and uh, Tony tony was the, uh, he's the vocalist on Hell Ride. Okay. So you, we got two, you know, but Mike has just got a soaring, soaring range. It's, he's unbelievable. That
1: explains that, because, yeah, definitely Hellride had a totally different tonality to the, actually the whole entire song has got a different tone to it, but, uh, okay, that mm-hmm. explains the huge change in that one.
0: And uh, Atio was also written by Tony, you know, so that's the, uh, you know, but Tony's a great songwriter. they're all three of them are great songwriters, so that that was a big plus for me, you know because I've been looking for musicians in the area, and this just fell together. Tony and I play in a cover band here at the Jeffrey James band. So he and I've been playing together for six years, and it's it's kind of a joke because we'll bring in a song and we'll say, hey, Tony, we're going to do a covering this song by this band you've never heard of. It's called The Beatles, you know because Tony, when he was young, he just he heard Black Sabbath. And he kind of went into a parallel universe which was heavy music only and listened to nothing else so he literally on pop songs that that we do with Jeffrey James he's never heard them <laughs> yeah. so, that, that's funny I, that. I know
1: years years ago I had brought a, a guitarist into my band and uh, he was a you know much younger guy than the rest of us and the same thing he was like really just heavy music to the point though that Everything he listened to was all down picking stuff as well. So when you try to, uh-huh. you know, do these other like economy picking and some of these kind of funkier things or hard rock, and he's like, well, "How do you do that?" But as far as if you gave him just kind of that that uh, that chug, he he could do that all day long. And it's yeah, the same thing. He was just he just uh-huh. didn't get the other stuff.
0: We're starting bands with, with the thrash bands. It was like if somebody did anything other than downstrokes, it was basically blindfold and firing squad. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) So I got to ask you on this, because I know you do, you've got a lot of different drums that you use and stuff, but I really, not not even just because I'm just talking to you, but I really do love the drum sound on this. Now, obviously, you know, you kick into song, one would do it now, and and you're greeted with kind of classic Carl Kennedy but that whole intro made me really key in on just kind of the the christmas and the snap of the drums in here so like what what uh, what kits would you hey. use like one kit for it
0: like did you use one of your pearl kits or a mix or what i did yeah, I did. I, use, I have a Pearl Masters that it just has never seen the lighter day. It's in my little studio room here, which is just a converted bedroom. And uh, that's where I record. The mics are up all the time. The drums are there. And uh, they they haven't moved since I brought them into the house. They've just been mic'd up and changed heads, but that's it. So that's what I used. And um, so and, and it's always, you know, that's what I record with all the time. Mm. And uh, I just tune them differently depending on the song. Okay. And of course, I have a number of snare drums, and uh, you know, I changed those out. And uh, I actually am hoping that, uh, I've been looking at the s- snare drums So anybody out there is interested in. I'm a big snare drum fanatic, but 101 drums from Sweden, they are unbelievable drums, and uh, I'm hoping to have one sometime in the near future. It's a composite snare drum, but mm-hmm. uh, they just sound amazing, so I'm excited about that.
1: Yeah, I, I so, really but, love the snare on Warrior. That just... I was like, how the heck's he getting that sound?
0: Yeah, I have to credit Chris Collier with with that, because I, as much as I record at home and those are the tones I get, you know, the, the mix engineer is the one who really keeps it punching you in the face. And Chris Collier is great, and, and he did a great job on the Rod's album, and uh, I knew I wanted him for the uh, this album, for the Kennedy album. I knew the band would benefit from from him and uh, you know so it was great and that but i do I have to credit chris collier with, with the, the drum sound he made it he brought it to life
1: yeah like i said it, it's it is really impressive and and uh, yeah i just i was i kept listening to warrior again because i'm like damn it how does this snare sound so damn good and uh, but you're right though you know switching up snares is always a a big deal um my middle daughter actually plays drums and i built her a nice drum kit and and oh, uh, nice. we went through a couple of different snares and, and one of the ones that she really liked is that i had a uh, a, a a pearl uh, brass snare from the 60s that I totally refitted again. Uh-oh. And then it's, you know, a little deeper than people normally use, but uh, she ended mm-hmm. up loving that one and using that quite a bit. Oh, but that's got a great sound. And yeah, yeah, it does. It was it was well worth taking the time to just find all the parts. And of course, you remember back in the day here in Boston, we had, you, you must have gone to Jack's Drums. I know Carmine went to Jack's Drums and uh, you must have I gone did. through there. Yeah,
0: again, I figured. I did, and, and you know, it was, I also went through, it was, uh, it was like mid, like 76 or something. I went through the Zildjian factory yeah. and, and uh, Lenny, Lenny Demusian, Lenny, I can't remember his last name, but Lenny was the guy that took me through. Now I remember, I was young and poor going through the Zildjian factory. So here I am in the Zildjian factory anything you want, Carl, you know, choose whatever you want. Of course I had to pay for it through the store, which was cool. I didn't realize the discount I was getting. Mm. So I, I still have them. I still have the symbols I bought on my high hats and, but I didn't realize my discount was going to be like 60% off. Mm. So I was conservative with what I bought because I was poor and I'm like, you know, symbols were 300 bucks. So I'm like, I put a stack of crash cymbals under my arm, <laughs> you know, it's going to add up pretty fast. But uh, yeah, I Boston was a happening place. I lived there. Uh, that's where I was. The band Kalokas. I still record with. We're probably going to have an album out pretty soon mm. ourselves. And but uh, and that band doesn't tour, but uh, we're definitely still recording. And uh, that's where I met them. But Boston was a great place for music, great place for drums. And I almost went to uh, Berkeley. I was okay. all ready to go. Yeah. And. Uh,
1: yeah, I figured, I figured you would have known Jax as the only other person that's ever known yeah. Jax Drums is, is I mentioned it to, to Carmine, and he like lost his mind like, holy crap, Jax Drums! And then we we spent mm-hmm. about 15 minutes reminiscing about all the cool stuff
0: in Jax. I'm Carmine, you know, I studied with Carmine when he was in Long Island, and uh, I have to say, I have to credit him with totally changing everything. You know, Not only just reading, but I've been a huge fan, but then with him, he's such a great teacher that uh, it just I wouldn't be the drummer I am today without my time with Carmine.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And he's, he's definitely a different guy because he's got power, but he's got swing along with the power. And it's,
0: it's kind of a, it's a really good combo. He's a big Gene Krupa guy, but he's also a funky drummer. He doesn't get enough credit for how funky the guy is. Yeah. Listen to shotgun, you know, the little fudge. I mean, the guy's so funky. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Definitely doesn't, doesn't get the credit for a lot of that stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure that Bonham took more than a few licks off of Carmine, with even just with the touring with those guys. You know, I, I
0: have to say that Carmine, is he doesn't get the recognition he deserves. And I think it's because he's been in so many great bands and so many great projects, as opposed to someone like Bonham, who was in one band top of the game Carmine never really I mean he has that but not like he really should be up there way above and I'm sure you know he's getting his recognition but to me he should be always in the top and I'm sure Bonham's taken you can hear it at the end of uh, rock and roll you know Carmine was playing that stuff before John Bonham so yeah yeah exactly exactly yeah not just not just anything bad about John Bonham <laughs> cause what a monstrous rover, but Carmine is the guy
1: yeah, yeah, he is. I I I love Carmine's drumming and he's also he's always great. Every time he comes on the show, it's like a throwback thing. I might even mention like some club that we both played like way back in like the you know or late 70s or something. And he's like, "Holy shit, I don't remember. I remember that club now." Holy. And he gives me some story about it, but uh he's always great to have on.
0: <laughs> he's a lot of fun to, you know, the clinics I've been to a bunch with him and he's always fun, you know. He's always got a great story to tell a great approach always positive yeah yeah i guess
1: it's kind of an interesting story about how you put this band together right is this did this come together by basically you deciding that you were going to fill in for a drummer and, and 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 from that not like it didn't happen the next day but out of that fill in is kind of what this new band came from
0: exactly they uh I knew Tony because we played in this, this cover band, the Jeffrey James Band. And Tony, Mike, and Charlie had been in a band and had done CDs. You know, they'd done albums mm. called Totally Lost Cause, PLC. And they're actually re-releasing them on Heaven and Hell once this coronavirus thing, the pandemic lifts. So from that, they were doing a TV show. And they their drummer, I think they have been rehearsing. I, I'm not sure it was going that well. The drummer has You know, a good job, and he wasn't able to make rehearsals as often as they'd like, and so he couldn't make the TV show. So they asked me if I would fill in, and of course, was happy to. And it went really well. And so from there, we talked about maybe we should try writing. And so we did. We started to go to uh, there's a studio here called the Rec Room, Cliff Evans, and uh, we went there every Monday night. Every Monday night we could, and uh, for about a year and a half, and we just would, you know, because it's not every Monday you wind up making it. You know, it's four times a month, but it might only be two times a month depending on um, the situation. So that's what we did, and out of it we started coming up with the album. It was a very organic. We didn't we didn't try to write in a specific way. I think that. Um, for them, it was different. For me, it was different. Uh, normally, with the Rods, I just write my songs at home and demo all of everything—vocals, play all the instruments—and then give it to the guys. Mm-hmm. David does the same thing, and he, are the only, he and I are the only two song, songwriters in the Rods. So with this. Tony would bring in ideas. Charlie had ideas. Mike had ideas. They share. They'd work together, and then I don't think the the drummer had contributed quite the way I do. I'm always good with arrangements, so I like to contribute, and and uh, so I think you know for the little bit I was able to contribute, I think that was a welcome thing for them as well that they had somebody somebody there. So it was very organic, and it was. Uh, even though we had different approaches, it seemed to work very well, and the end result was wow—we got a really great record.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean that's cool because sometimes you know, like I was I had a band out in, in um, you know, Middle Massachusetts. They asked me to come in. Hey, can you fill in guitar, front, and all that? And and I've always been a songwriter but uh, even playing with those guys after for a couple of years, it just, we never had that gel where songwriting worked. It was pretty much, yeah, we just kind of mm-hmm. playing these covers. And so it's all, you know, you, you talk about this and it's like, yeah, that's, it's great when that happens, you just get a couple of guys, everyone's kind of goes on the same page and brings something to it and, and works together. And you end up with something
0: cool like this. And um, hopefully you guys exactly. are still writing more. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, It's going to be at some point, even though now this is coming out, at some point there'll be time for the next one. So you can't sit around and wait because then all of a sudden, you know, like a lot of bands, their sophomore album is the uh, the killer album because they wind up taking a length of time to do the first one. Then they're so busy, they don't write the second one. When it comes time to write it, they do it in a crunch, and it's not as good as the first one, and it's a you know, disappointment. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully that won't be the case. Yeah, but you know, I know that Tony was already at Charlie's, and they were working on songs last week, so working on a new idea.
1: Awesome. That's good. I mean, at least it isn't like the 70s, right, where you've got a lifetime to write the first album and six months to write the second one. So. Uh, yeah, okay. exactly.
0: <laughs> and that was the other thing with the songwriting. In the early days, you know, you're out touring, and you go, "Oh, we need a really strong opener now for this new album, and we got it. We need something for the live show, so we got to have a good opener. So we got to write for this, and we need something that's going to fit a radio format, and and we need another song for an ending, or we need something as a middle song to really pump it up, or to showcase, you know, each musician, or whatever. There's none of that anymore. Mm. The songs kind of went where they went. Nobody tried to steer them in any direction. We just sort of put our parts in, talked about it, played things, and let the songs unfold on their own and that was that was cool because I have really had not done that for for years you know since the early days of the rods when we, we wrote songs together mm,
1: yeah, and i I also like the you know the sequencing I know a lot of times people now, especially with digital, they just they pick and choose what they listen to, and sometimes sequencing becomes less important, but I know for me. I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to listen to the whole thing through. So I really do like the way that you guys sequenced it. You got that really high energy, traditional track one, side A with Do It Now. You know, you bring it down a little bit with Not Even Love, but then you kick it right back up again. Kind of traditional, like 70s style album sequencing with Lies. And um, even the fact that track 10, which is kind of changes pace quite a bit. You put that at the end as well so that, uh, it doesn't kind of take away from anything else. I just, I really like how you guys probably put a lot of thought into how you're going to sequence all these songs on
0: here. I have to tell you, Scott, this is so great that you said that. And, uh, when this airs, I will make sure John Z hears this because this album was sequenced by the great Johnny Z from uh, Megaforce.
1: Nice. Yeah. We had, uh, we had Johnny on, uh, I want to say maybe like three months ago when his book came out, we had him on.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a great book. I really enjoyed it. Um, uh, and for me, it was reminiscing as well, you know, mm-hmm. but there were things I learned that was also great reminiscing in that, uh, but you know, John Z, you are good friends and, and uh, he's such a great guy. He and Marsha are wonderful people. And, yeah, like they're the first, first family of metal, I call them. <laughs> yeah, and, you're uh, right, you're right, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he, he did, he did a great
1: job of it. You can tell somebody really took the time and sweated it out to figure out exactly, you know, how you were going to do it. Now, obviously, you know, with, with Adia, that's like, that, that to me, I would automatically go, yeah, that's got to go at the end. But the other stuff, the other nine songs, I would probably be sweating out like, you know, do you open it with Warrior? Do you open it with Do It Now? So I think he did a great job.
0: Yeah, I think so too And he was John's one of those guys Who uh, He's like let me, let me work on this Because I, ha- I had a sequence order He goes You know I don't really love that sequence order And uh, My buddy Steve Wright had come up with the sequence order So I had done it in that Just to Let it roll And John listened to it And it was good And uh, Steve Wright has Potter in Hell podcast And you know Great guys That actually live here In uh, my town Carbondale So John listened to goes, Just give me some time And John's one of those guys Who will just Sit for, a, for a night listens listen to it all and that's what he did he came, two days later he came back he was you don't have to do it but this is my suggestion so I'm really glad you mentioned that because he'll be thrilled to hear that because he said all right, people ask me my opinion all the time and then they do whatever the hell they want <laughs> and nobody <laughs> listens to me and I said but but we listen to you John you know we, we listen so
1: I think anybody that you know has bought you know metal albums in the past and stuff they're gonna go yeah this is this is how it should sound and uh yeah, I think, like I said, I think it did a great job on that.
0: Yeah, I mean, how could you how could you not listen to the great John Z when he says this is how I think it should go? I mean, <laughs> he's uh, you know, I mean, who better to, to uh, sequence a metal album? Yeah, I
1: mean, hey, guy's kind of a legend, so he's going to be doing something right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So, uh, as far as uh, social media, uh, you guys have any kind of presence out there as far as our, you know, is there a Twitter or Facebook or anything that people can follow the band
0: or websites, anything like that? There's Twitter, uh, but Facebook, Kennedy on Facebook, they can just C-A-N-E-D-Y mm-hmm. and uh and then, of course, there's com. so C-A-N-E-D-Y band.com. And, you know, there you can go download, you can buy a download, you can check out some photos, you can read some uh, quotes from people, you can buy a shirt, you know, get any kind of news, especially with, hopefully, there'll be some touring dates coming up, so... Everybody
1: can get info there. Nice. Yeah. I'm hoping, uh, hoping you guys, when you guys get out on tour, maybe there'll be some, uh, you know, dates, either New Hampshire, Boston, somewhere in there. So, uh, you know, definitely head out. I want to hear this stuff live.
0: Yeah. I'd love to. As a matter of fact, Scott, that's the first time I heard the Boston accent. (laughs) We used to play, we used to play there all the time and we would, we'd play in, uh, rhode island and yeah you know, with the with another band i was in and we would we would do the tri-state but we spent a lot of time in new england and yeah you know, we would talk about parking the car
1: <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> i always i forget how bad my accent
0: is and then i'll talk to somebody Not, and like holy it, crap <laughs> no it was just that one little word i caught but uh-huh. no otherwise i wouldn't even wouldn't even guess you were from new england ah yeah so, so yeah but
1: I'm definitely looking forward to hearing seeing some of this stuff live. I really want to hear Out for Blood Live. That's um I really like that song and it's got a it's got a cool um it's got a cool like I don't know the when I listened to it it was almost like this is what A C D C would sound like if Carl was playing drums. That's the kind of vibe I got.
0: (laughs) Yes. That would you mean that's exactly how A C D C would sound if I were playing drums right before I got fired.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely nothing that Phil would have ever done, but it's like if Phil actually did like some of these really cool fills and, and it's got that kind of that chug and grind that that's kind of that, you know, the ACDC flavor. And then it's it's got this drum layer over the top of it and it all just works. So it's like that's when I heard that, like, I, that's yeah, what I think it is.
0: I love that. And that I love playing, you know, this is. I love playing these songs. I love recording them, but I love playing them live and I I love the fact that it's probably this album is probably some of the best drumming I've done, mm. or at least representative of my, you know, metal chops overall. Mm. And Alpha uh, Blood's just a great fun song to play. I loved it from the day they played it for me. I was just blown away. I'm like this is killer track.
1: Yeah. And you're right about the you know, the job that Chris did on this. You know, hearing like the last thing I heard Chris do was the the last in line stuff and I really like that mm-hmm. stuff, but honestly, I really like his mix on this more than, than what he did on that. And it just, it, there's certain elements in here that I like that have that, that Christmas and stuff and the separation. And this really has that.
0: You know, again, it's it's funny you say that, Scott, because when I was looking for a mix engineer, it was decided that we were going to use a mix engineer for the Rod's album. We weren't going to have a hand, hand in it, any of us. We were just going to hand it over. And so I started looking and I was, you know, David and Gary weren't really interested in that, but I started compiling mixes and talking to my friends in bands like Raven and Anvil and just checking things, you know, trying to decide, like, who who has the best engineer? What are the best mixes? And I'm listening to Last in Line because, you know, I love the first album. And, like, this sounds incredible. I was listening to my iPhone. Oh my God, who who mixed this album that made the drums sound that big and the guitar is ripping your face off on an iPhone? Yeah, So, I started hunting him down, and, and through Jeff Pilson, that's how I found I found Chris, and uh, I'm so glad I did because he was the right guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. It's like I said, the, sonically, it's it's just really, really good. And he didn't um, he didn't fall in the trap of going, oh, okay, well, you know, Carl's got this history with you know with, you know, with anthrax and, and all that, and, and it didn't like it didn't make him go in a certain direction. It's it, he gave it its its own feel, which is really good. It stands all by itself.
0: I agree, I agree, and I think it's uh, he also, like Charlie's just got his own guitar style, and Tony the same, his bass tone, and his playing, and I think Chris was respectful of that, and I think the uh, he was able to capture what those guys had sent him.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's true, I and I really do like, especially in some of the songs there's that really crunchy and it's like, it's not distortion, and it's not fuzz, and I'm like, uh, what is he, what is he using? And I just keep listening to it over and over again, and and I love guitar tones like that where I can't figure out almost instantly exactly what it is. And, and Charlie has that, especially on a few songs on this one.
0: He does. And he's got some great layering, Mm. you know, the textures, the subtleties in his guitar, you know, the way he layers different tracks. So Mm. uh, it was great because I've never worked with him before. So it would took me a while to understand, you know, the machinations, you know, his, his approach to, uh, orchestrating his guitar parts. If you know, I would just hear one track and then next thing you know I would hear a few weeks later I'd hear his final all of his guitar parts together and I'd be blown away. Like, wow. <laughs> you know, great great stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah. And and it definitely is the whole the whole thing is, is, is really cool. I am really proud of the
0: album. Uh you know, we worked hard on it but uh but it was a labor of love and uh you know, and it's nice to hear that obviously you've listened to it and I appreciate that because I do get interviewers who, uh, and it's, it's not all the time, but you do get interviewers who either, you know, kind of reading something and they're like, oh yeah, what about this? And, you know, they've never heard it. They don't care if they're not into it, you know. I had one, it was just just talking about one interviewer who sort remained remain nameless, but uh, I just said, I'd never want to do another interview, but it was, so you play drums. Uh-huh. Oh, what kind of music? This is for the Ross, right? 40, this was, David and I had the four, this is our 40th anniversary of playing together. So, um, what kind of music do you do? Um, you know, do you, do you like playing drums? You, you know, mm, yeah, kind of, um, you know, and asking me questions like that, and I just, I could could barely get through the interview. So I appreciate interviewers like you who just pay attention and know what they're talking about and, and do their homework, because that takes a lot of time. I mean, you know, people listening to this don't realize that you put in time to listen to the music dissect it understand it come up with what your opinions were mm. and the questions you might want to ask that's a lot of time it's like doing a book report in school that you don't want to do you got to put the time in you know so i really appreciate
1: that yeah no I th- thank you for saying that uh, i i do appreciate it and and uh, i unfortunately i really i mean i i love music and i've been you know i've been playing it forever and and uh I just, I love hearing stuff like this and, and trying to figure out what went into it and all that. And it's even better when I can, you know, get on the horn with somebody and, and talk about that process and work through it. And mm-hmm. uh, I like the fact, even that there's even little mistakes here and there and stuff that you guys didn't fix everything, which is awesome as well. It was, it was like, wait a minute, right. did I
0: really hear that
1: hit that way? And I go back and I go, they didn't fix it. And, and, it, and, it, and otherwise, it would have screwed with the groove and you guys left it. And it's, I love that.
0: Yes, and i want to I want everyone to uh turn off turn off whatever they're listening on there were no mistakes on on the album but and then and to that and to, and to that I want to say that that's one of the things I love is that the it's a it's a band effort it's how the band sounds and uh, you know it's proverbial warts and all and hopefully not too many warts but but it is a, it's what makes the feel and my friend years ago who doesn't know about music would come to my recording studio and He'd listen to everything, and he'd say, "Why is it that those bands I love, like in the sixties and like that kind of stuff, the fifties like why is it what is it about that music that just has such a great feel and because it's it was just a couple of mics, but it was a band of musicians who worked together and had a chemistry together. That's what you're hearing, you're not listening to oh, the snare drum doesn't have enough five k." Not in your, you don't even think about that. You're just listening to the synergy of the band. Right. And that's what we were trying to get. We wanted to convey the band playing in, as a band and not worry about um, overproducing it or just nitpicking it to death. And for me, it's beat detective. No, it is what it is. Like, I recognize that I am not flawless in my timing. I have good timing, but, you know, I can rush, I can drag, and, uh, you know, not everything I play is executed flawlessly. But I try to do it with a pulse and a feel. And I'm good with that, that those warts exist because it's real. And then I think you relate to it more mm. because it's, it's real music. If you listen to a lot of bands. You, you wonder like, was there even a drummer? The drums are programmed. It's all, and if they weren't programmed, they would, you know, beat detectives and, and, uh, and re triggered to the point where, was that a real drummer or not? And, you know, so I'd rather just, just go with it. And Hey, yeah, it is what it the is. best way to do it. In fact, uh, the, the
1: last CD I had done, I we actually did it totally ass-backwards in that I went in and I did an entire scratch rhythms for every song, and then the drummer played against my scratch rhythms, and it just gave him mm-hmm. a, a little different swing to the playing, and, and he wasn't so – because usually he was very like like a metronome, but he had to mm-hmm. play against his scratch track, and I'm not a metronome. It gave a little bit of swing. It was, it was ass-backwards, but it worked, and in fact, one of the songs we even – um the other guitar player couldn't quite get the rhythm, and we were like, "Ah, screw it! We're going to use the scratch rhythm instead for the for the rhythm." And we just played it in the song, right. and nobody even noticed the difference.
0: That's because when you play it that way, it's musical, and you're breathing, mm-hmm. and the music and the drummer's forced to now play with the music, even though there's a click track. It's forced to play with the music, yeah. And so it's going to be more musical as opposed to metronomic, and that's that's what it's all about. I mean, the click is a guide, you know. The click is a pulse. It shouldn't be you're trying to. Uh, Every snare has to line align itself on the grid with that snare hit and the and the click track. it just doesn 't make good music for me, yep, exactly. and you know look at look at Ringo and Charlie Watts, you know like with those drummers if you put a click track on there timing is fantastic <laughs> but but is it you know flawless like perfect time no it 's got it breathes and it 's got a pulse and it 's musical yeah. and uh, i 'll I'll take that over you know the numbers game.
1: It's true. Yeah. I mean, you take something like Ringo and it sounds so simple, but then if you listen to like some of those mono remasters and you can really hear him a lot better, it's, it's like, wow, he's, it's, that's, I really, I don't think I can do that. And, uh, he doesn't get enough credit I, I say,
0: for it. She doesn't, I say that to young drummers. So like Ringo, I man, he sucks. I go, you know, I could probably play within six months of my playing drums, probably play a lot of Ringo's basic beats. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's taken me another 40 years to play like Ringo and still not play the way he plays. Hmm. Because it's just that, he's just, there's a pocket, a swing he has. Carmen has it, you know, Carmine yeah. has that. There's certain drummers, Charlie Watts has it. They play with the pulse and it's an internal clock. And uh, there's just something that comes out and it's, a, it's like a heartbeat, you know. It's, it's just organic and it's just got its own rhythm and it's a pulse. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree. Well, I got to tell you,
1: Carl, we shouldn't wait another five years to do this again. So, uh, and I, and I actually, no, I, agree. I, I look back and I, and I, and I look back where the last interview was and it was like, holy crap, June of 2015. I was like, I didn't really think wow. it was that long, but yeah, it was. Well,
0: thank
1: you, Scott. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, this thing, when it comes out, people want those physical copies, but if they don't, um, like we talked about, you guys can go up to, uh to uh kennedy band and get your own digital downloads of warrior and i encourage you guys to do that 10 awesome songs it's classic metal if you're listening to focus on metal you guys know the kind of metal we like here you're
0: gonna love this album yeah well thank you again for the support scott and you know i do blame you for the five-year gap so hopefully we'll do it again soon for the next (laughs) kennedy album (laughs) great
1: i'm the blame sponge i like it all right carl (laughs) Good, uh,
0: good talking to you, again. you
1: and you, thanks so much you for taking too. some time this afternoon uh, to talk with us yeah. as well.
0: My, my pleasure. Awesome. Be All safe. Right, man. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: And there you go. There is my talk with legendary Rod's drummer, Carl Kennedy. And again, if you want to pick up a, a digital copy of that, then head up to KennedyBand.com. And like Carl says, that's up there. You can also score yourself a T-shirt and stuff as well. So I urge you to do that and bide your time if you want that physical one till August when the CDs and vinyls will appear. And Johnny Z, if you are listening to this one, I'm just going to say to you, buddy, again, nice job with the sequencing on the album. And while I've got you here in... uh, Listening to Focus on Metal this weekend. Just let you know what is up for uh, the show coming up this week. We will be talking with uh, Tony Cavazo and also Doug Aldrich about the Hurricane album "Slave to the Thrill." So lots of good stuff coming up this week with Doug and Tony. But uh, until then, you know, make sure you're keeping yourself safe, keeping your family safe, and keeping the metal alive. So with that, that's it there ain't no more stick a fork in it this bonus puppy is done so until i talk to you again in a few days as always remember
0: focus on metal everything else is insignificant can i raise a practical question at this point yeah are we gonna do stonehenge tomorrow no we're not gonna fucking do stonehenge (laughs)